Please be seated. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Text for our meditation this evening as we ponder, meditate, and yes, even celebrate the martyrdom of John the Baptist, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago, Mark 6, 14 to 29. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when you hear this text, it's hard not to be taken aback by the gruesome and grisly details. I don't remember hearing about the head of John the Baptist being served up in Sunday school. Those are the kind of things that we avoid, that we don't talk about. We like a neat and sanitary faith. We like a neat and sanitary Christianity. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Yeah, it's okay to talk about that a little bit. But we don't want things to get too bloody, too gory. That takes us out of our comfort zone. That makes us realize that sin and evil and the consequences of that sin and evil are very real. Our text starts out, and it really doesn't have anything to do with John the Baptist. It's all about Jesus. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. The word of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the deeds of Jesus were spreading far and wide. Earlier in Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. And what do they do? They preach and they teach. They call people to repent. They heal the sick and the lame. And the kingdom of God is spread. Before that, Jesus is healing, calming storms, teaching. The word of Jesus and his work was spreading far and wide. So, some said John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he's Elijah, and others said he's a prophet like one of the prophets of old. The identity of Jesus was the topic of many people. Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? Is he a great prophet? Is he the great prophet, the Messiah, the promised one, the Christ? Or is there something weird and bizarre going on? That's where King Herod went. King Herod who wasn't really a king, but he pretended to be a king and called himself a king. It's good to be the king. And so Herod claimed to be a king. Herod was power hungry. 
You might say, drunk with power. But Herod had a bigger problem. Herod was consumed with guilt. What do we do when we are consumed with guilt? Something we've done, something we've said, some really, really bad thing that we keep doing and can't break out of the habit, some deep, dark thing in our past, something that just keeps gnawing away at us. You know the kind of guilt that I'm talking about. We've all had it at some point in time to a greater or a lesser extent. Maybe you're dealing with it right now. What do you do when you're being eaten up from the inside with guilt? Well, we get angry. We lash out at others. We play the blame game. We'll blame anybody and anything, and especially God, because we don't want to live with that guilt. We'll do everything humanly possible to get rid of that guilt. There's only a pr one problem with that. There is nothing humanly possible for you to do with that guilt that will get rid of the guilt. Some people, to get rid of their guilt, might, might turn to mysticism or one of the Eastern religions. Maybe even to the point of conjuring up spirits and talking to the dead. You turn on TV right, lately? It's hard to not find a program talking about paranormal activity. People are consumed with it. Would-be King Herod was consumed with it as well. Why was he filled with guilt? Well, it's almost kind of an afterthought or in parentheses. We're told here in Mark chapter 6, Mark, who writes very quick and very much to the point when he slows down and gives us a long narrative, we are always to take notice. That's what's going on here. We get the details, the grisly details of the beheading of John the Baptist. John was fearless. A fearless proclaimer of the truth of God. John was fearless in calling people to repent. So fearless, in fact, he called the king and the king's wife to repent of their adulterous affair. It's good to be the king. And when somebody says something you don't like, well... You can throw him in prison, or worse. That's what Herod did. John's in prison. Herod could have had him executed right away, but he didn't. You see, in the midst of his struggle to get rid of his guilt, 
He heard John's preaching. He didn't like it. But he heard it. It bothered him. It cut him to the quick. But he still kept John around and alive so that he could hear him preach and teach the Word of God. What a weird, strange, almost backwards kind of an obsession. When you're filled with guilt, you will do anything, no matter how crazy, to try to get rid of that guilt. Herod's new wife, Herodias, was not amused. She did not want to hear the word of God. She had a grudge against John the Baptist. She wanted him silenced. There was a almost pagan-like dance gathering. Salome dances a provocative showtime after hours kind of dance. Herod is moved, makes a foolish oath and a foolish promise. The next thing you know, John the Baptist is dead. His head is served up on a platter. Herod's guilt, still there. My friends, the words recorded for us tonight in Mark chapter 6 give us a front row seat to a tragedy. But the real tragedy is not the death of John the Baptist. The real tragedy is the unrepentance of King Herod. That's the tragedy. John the Baptist was fearless. He spoke the word even though it got him thrown in prison. He spoke the word even though it cost him his head. He wasn't worried about dying. He wasn't afraid. He had already died in the waters of holy baptism. His life was a new life in Jesus Christ. He had nothing to fear. He answered his call by pointing people to the one and only Savior from sin, to the one and only answer to the guilt and the shame that we carry around with us all the time. That is Jesus and Jesus alone. Why do you think Jesus came? Jesus did not come so that you could take your body to the car wash and, and clean off the big chunks of sin. Jesus did not come to help you or teach you to clean up your act. No! Jesus came to cleanse you full 
and complete from the inside out. That's what the forgiveness of sins is. That's what new life in Jesus Christ is. My friends, Jesus has come into this world to do battle with sin. That's why he came. That's why Jesus took on flesh and blood. That's why Jesus placed himself under the law, the law that condemns us, the law that oftentimes produces guilt and shame in us. That's why Jesus and John and all the apostles and every faithful pastor to this day has the same message. Repent and believe the good news. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. God calls us to repentance, not because he wants to take away our fun or make us feel guilty. No, God calls us to repentance because he wants us to live, live a full life now, free, and to live forever with him in eternity. My friends, there are many people in this world that are full of guilt. Guilt over past sins. Guilt over present sins. Guilt that is ripping them up and killing them from the inside out. The greatest cancer in the world is a cancer of an unforgiven heart. And it will gnaw at you and gnaw at you and produce all kinds of bizarre, terrible behavior. My friends, Jesus comes today with that same message. Repent and believe the good news. We don't hear that message of repentance like a, a prisoner on death row waiting for some last minute miraculous pardon from the warden or the governor. No. We hear it as a baptized child of God. We hear it as one who has already received the forgiveness of sins, full and complete. Good Friday and Easter delivered to us in the waters of holy baptism. We have died. We have died to sin and now live in Jesus Christ. God has driven away our fear. God wants us to live in the freedom and joy and love that is the forgiveness of sins. God wants us to hear that call to repentance as dearly loved children. Literally, children of the Heavenly Father. What father, if his child 
was running out into the street to chase a ball and didn't see oncoming traffic, wouldn't holler and scream and do everything humanly possible to stop that tragedy from happening. That's the love that God the Father has for you. Every time that word of God comes into your ear and into your heart, your loving Father, because He loves you, and wants you to spend eternity with Him, makes that call. That's why John could be fearless even in the midst of imprisonment and death. That's why we who know the Word of God, who believe the Word of God, who have confidence in the Word of God, that's how we can live and teach and preach that same message with the same confidence. My friends, we've already died in the waters of holy baptism. We have nothing to be afraid of. As John the Baptist was fearless, so you and I, filled with Christ, filled with His love, rid of the guilt and shame that drags us down. We too are fearless. My friends, for every time that we have hung on to guilt, thinking we could somehow avoid it, or take care of it ourselves, or push it off on someone else. Jesus Christ has bled and died for you, for that sin, and for all sin. It's gone. Your sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. He robes you in his robe of righteousness and as his dearly beloved child. He will never leave you nor forsake you. My friends, tonight we can celebrate the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist. Why? Because of his fearless confession of the truth. It's not a tragedy that John lost his head. No. Not compared to the tragedy of unrepentance and an eternity in hell. May God bless us and keep us faithful to proclaiming His Word in its truth and purity so that sinners trapped in error's maze would hear, would believe, and live, not only now, but to all eternity. May God grant it to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our confession. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.